Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Sewing Hope podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you, and thank you so much for tuning in to Patchwork Heart Radio. I want to remind you that you can head over to our new podcast website, and if you're listening and watching on that new website, thanks for visiting patchworkheartradio.org. But as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Andy Santis, and I know we have an amazing guest today, but Anne, how are you doing? I am doing great, Bill. This is like one of my favorite times of year, this headed toward Thanksgiving. And you're right, we do have an amazing guest for this podcast. We have Bishop Byrne and Bishop Bill Byrne is from the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. Welcome, Bishop. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sewing Hope podcast. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, we, we are excited to have you because uh, not only are you um, um, very active with your work as the bishop in the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts, but you're an author too. And you're the author of the book called Five Things with Father Bill, Hope, Humor, and Help for the Soul. So why don't we start out with your, you know, your vocation and a little bit about your background as a priest and also now as a bishop since last year. Okay, sure. 
Um, so I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. I was a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington. Um, I'm the uh, technically the youngest, but I would also say the baby of eight uh, kids. <laughs> if you have a big family, the baby usually doesn't. I, didn't, I don't think I learned to walk till I was 15 uh, because you have so many older brothers and sisters dragging you around. And, um, and so my, uh, I come from a big family, eight kids. Uh, my father was a thoracic surgeon. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I was blessed to have a joyful family uh, and uh, parents that were actually daily communicants. They were, my father would go to the 6.30 or 6.45 mass. My mom would go to the 9. So that was just part and parcel of my growing up experience. That was normal. Um, and what a great normal it was. Um, and so I went to... Catholic schools. I graduated from a school called Georgetown Prep in suburban Maryland. Went on to a school not far from me now called the College of the Holy Cross. So eight years with the Jesuits. Um, and then I taught school for a couple of years while I was really discerning a vocation. My mom had said to me when I told my mom and dad I was thinking about being a priest, my mom said, I'd love to have a son who's a priest. I'd hate to have one who used to be a priest. So take your time to think about it. Um, and, and for me, that was good advice. I wouldn't say, I think sometimes seminary now, seminary, is, seminary formation is so robust that I would say, uh, for a young man, seminary is a good place to find out and discern in a safe, a spiritually safe environment. Um, so I was then went to the North American college in Rome, various assignments in Washington, DC, which included, I was the chaplain to the university of Maryland, go Terps. Uh, and during that time, I had 14 men enter the seminary. Uh, I, so I had 14 little brothers, for the most part, in the Archdiocese of Washington. Uh, I went to Capitol Hill. I started a ministry on Capitol Hill for Catholic congressmen, a monthly dinner for them to just talk about faith and their families and their struggles. It was, uh, it was a beautiful experience and still continues on. Then went to a big parish in Potomac, Maryland. And then last year, October 14th, or October 2nd, got a call from Archbishop Pierre telling me that I had been named by the Holy Father to be the 10th Bishop of Springfield, Massachusetts. And did I accept? And that's how much discernment I was, I was given. Here, you're going to be the Bishop, the point Pope's appointing you. Do you take it? It wasn't like, call me tomorrow after you pray about it. Uh, so that 30-second discernment, not even, probably four-second discernment, I said, yes, of course. I am doing whatever the Holy Father asks me. So here I am in beautiful Western Massachusetts. Very happy we're getting things rolling along, starting a year of the Eucharist tomorrow to get ourselves focused back on what's most important. So, And I believe that you just meeting. came from meetings. Am I correct about that? We just had. And, and for me, it was rather exciting because the, the bishops meet uh, biannually. They meet in June every year and in November. So I attended the... The June meeting, we all did it virtually, which was uh, a little distracting when you're sitting in your office. And uh, whereas we all to be together with all the bishops was uh, quite a beautiful experience and um, and really grace filled, I think, for me. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing, because, you know, uh, the Eucharist is that source and summit of our faith. And I know that there's a lot more ahead for all of us as Catholics in, in this country and all over the world 
to really step back and, and examine uh, who is Jesus in our lives and, and how important are we making the Eucharist and where are we making that time, right, to celebrate? Because, you know, you were mentioning your parents as daily communicants, and that's a beautiful thing that you were exposed to that at a very young age, that, 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 that appreciation, right? I mean, what, what was right. that like in, in a greater way for you? I guess it helped you to really develop that. Well, I think, you know, uh, for a lot of people, mass and the spiritual life of the Eucharist is sort of like tennis and golf. It's good. They get something out of it if, when they can get it, when they can fit it in. Mm. Um, as opposed to saying, if the Eucharist is truly the source and summit, uh, if it's the center of my life, uh, then at any moment, I'm either coming from the Eucharist, bringing it to people, or I'm preparing myself to go receive the Eucharist. Um, and so it's, it, is, it needs to be that which is uh, the, the uh, he, Jesus, needs to be the center of our existence. We're initiating this uh, year of the Eucharist here in the Diocese of Springfield uh, tomorrow in the, um, at the Christ the King to say, Jesus is our King. And we're going to recognize his sovereignty in our, um, let him be absolute in our lives and especially in the way that we encounter him now, which is in the Holy Eucharist. Mm, beautiful. Now, when can we look forward to when this, the year of the Eucharist, does that start? I'm believing that it would be this liturgical year as it, as it starts in Advent, correct? Right. So it, this is in the Diocese of Springfield. It's it, sort of providentially, there's also the Eucharistic revival, which the bishops around the country uh, were planning and are planning a three-year Eucharistic revival culminating in a Eucharistic Congress um, in, uh, in 2024. But we had already been, the works had already started here before that uh, trade even left the station. So they, they work dovetailed perfectly with one another. But we begin tomorrow and it'll go through the next year of various events, holy hours and processions and talks and uh, opportunities to for enrich our clergy. Uh, we've gotten representatives from each parish coming together to be liaisons so that we can figure out how we can bring uh, programming, uh, adoration, um, all different types of educational things back to each and every parish to empower the people to go bring Christ to the world and invite their friends. And in this case, in Western Massachusetts, it's invite them back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. My gosh, that's incredible. Um, and, and, and thank you so much for, um, for, for highlighting the source and summit of our faith, uh, you know, in a, in a very special way. And that's, and that's so wonderful to hear that you're doing that. Um, I, I love to transition over to the book just a little bit, um, Your Excellency, because um, I know that uh, your time is limited as well here. So um, you you authored this book, um, you know, right kind of right before uh, you you took the uh, appointment to become a bishop, and it's called Five Things with Father Bill: Hope, Humor, and Help for the Soul. Um, would you just tell us a little bit about how that book came to be in your mind and, you know, why, why did you decide to write it? Well, it actually um, was kind of an easy way to write it. It was a series of articles that I had done in the Washington, Catholic, Washington the Catholic Standard for the Archdiocese of Washington. When that um, 
so I, I was more com a compilation of these things that I had done. And I'd also done, for anybody who's a YouTuber, I, there's a whole, a lot of them have been uh, broadcast also as YouTube videos. So if you go five things with Father Bill, uh, that's where you'll, uh, you can see um, the video versions of them, which are quite fun. Um, I was just told by somebody the other day, they said, oh, we just binged Father Bill. <laughs> like, uh, so, uh, and so then, uh, and Loyola was fabulous helping me um, pull this book together and put it in a very approachable uh, way for people to, um, to experience. So it's, it's, it's sort of lighter and fun, but very deep. You, you garner messages from it, but it's not uh, a theology book. It's it's a kind of a heart book, and but the Lord, I think, has touched a lot of people through it. I love the cover to the book too. <laughs> uh -huh. I've seen the cover, um, and unfortunately, I don't have the book in hand yet. But I, I'm planning on getting it. Um, and I would love to read the description that it's a reminder that God is never far away from you. Through 50 short chapters that highlight holidays and ordinary time of day-to-day -day life. Father Bill's wisdom and ideas can help readers grow in faith, forgive others, uh, prepare for some of life's biggest moments and more. I like that. It, it's a very, it sounds like a very practical book, isn't it? And in, in terms oh, of yeah. our faith. It's down to earth. It's how, you know, the first chapter is five things I learned from my dog. Uh, and, and that is just to give you an example, when it's five things I learned from my dog, it's like, you know, my dog, when I say get my, a dog, Zelly, she's a three and a half year old black lab. But when I say get in the car, she just is like so excited to go. She's not asking where we're going, how long we're going to be there. And, and, and I need to have that attitude with God. It's like, God brings me something. I should just jump right in and say, okay, Lord, not sit there and say, oh, I don't know about this or whatever. Or, or when I'm late coming home from meetings or uh, whatever, Zelly doesn't slam the door and act all passive aggressive. She's just excited to see me. Her heart is not filled with bitterness. It's filled with blessing. So what I need to be that way, instead of being all grouchy with people, I should just be glad that they're there. Uh, those are just little examples of, of, um, of how these different experiences of daily life uh, radiate God for me. Um, and so that is, the, the book is five mysteries of the road, delightful mysteries of the rosary. You know, when I walk, I say my rosary, uh, and, and I usually walk longer than one mystery. So often I'll make up my own. So this is the five delightful mysteries. And it's an example of different things that happened in the life of our Lord. And, um, so but the that's, point is yeah, you're praying, example. right? The point is oh, that yeah. it's that communication with God. And sometimes I think that when we pray, we, we have formulas, don't we? And, and there's nothing wrong with formulas, right? I mean, right. we need formulas and, and they help us, especially like with the mass, there is a formula, right? I mean, we have to follow that. Right. Uh, Every sacrament does. That's Words right. Words of absolution, they're all formulas. I baptize you in the name of the Father. Son. So formulas are good, but they also... Um, there's also the Lord wants to reach us in so many other different mm. ways. You know, I often think of, um, uh, I often think that um, when, when I, uh, of, of, you know, when you go into a mall and 
you are walking around and then you suddenly notice that there's music playing because it's a song you like. But before that, you never heard the music, you know? And like, oh, I didn't have any idea that there was music playing. And, uh, and that's the way it is with God. God's constantly around us. His beautiful music of the grace is constantly around us. It's just our trying to tune ourselves to see it and to hear it. You know, the God winks are everywhere, um, but we just get so caught up in the day-to-day and the mundane that, um, that we, we blur it out. So I just was reading the other day, and I wish I, I could remember where I saw it, but it said, you don't need great faith in God. You need faith in the great God. Mm-hmm. Recognizing his splendor, his glory, and, and I just need to believe in that through my little window as best as my little heart can in the greatness of God at work all around us. Yeah, that yeah. I, I like how you just said that in terms of the word great, because let's face it, isn't that like probably one of the most used words ever in, in the existence right. of humankind? I mean, for myself, I mean, how many times a day do I say great? You know, I mean, I probably say it umpteen times a day. But you're right. I mean, when we recognize the greatness of God, it's something much different, isn't it? I mean, uh-huh. it is something. Much well, though, it also puts, you know, people feel like, oh, I have to be doing something more. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's a that's a, a heresy called uh, Pelagianism that says we we earn our faith. Mm-hmm. We earn, I mean, we earn our salvation. No, it's all gift. I'm not dying on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He's the one who's giving himself to us in the Eucharist. It's just a matter of our opening ourselves to what he gives us, recognizing that even our desire to pray is his gift. Uh, and so we we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be great, whereas we just have to let his greatness be in us. Yeah. And, you know, I'm wondering uh, if you talk a little bit about fear, because I think there's a connection between that. I know uh, you focus a little bit on that in the book and uh, ways to conquer fear, because I think when we think about the greatness of God and and we come with like, oh, I've got to do more, I've got to do more. Some fear can enter into our hearts. And how do we dispel that? How do we how do we get rid of that fear out of our hearts? And there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world that are surrounding us. Uh, because quite frankly, Satan just wants to put all of these obstacles in our, in our path to scare us out of that relationship with God. So how, how do we conquer the fears that are, that are gripping us? Right. And, um, you know, uh, the, the opposite of fear, I don't think is courage. I think the opposite of fear is love. Mm -hmm. So what conquers fear is love. Um, and, and hope, I chose for my Episcopal model, motto, 1 Peter 1, 3, that we've all been reborn into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that our, our, our hope is not like, oh, I hope that the Patriots win or something like that. No, no, it's not a wishing. It's recognizing that the, the God has won, even if I don't feel it right now or see it, that I trust uh, that in his victory. So with that in mind, you know, there were a lot of people 
thousands and thousands of people that were crucified. It was the way the Romans dealt with uh, insurrection pretty effectively. You know, if you were thinking about having a resolution, a revolution, and then you saw a bunch of guys naked hanging on trees, slowly dying in the middle of on the roads into town, you might be thinking, mm, maybe I'm not going to have my insurrection today. Uh, but of all those thousands of people that died on the cross, only one rose from the dead. And mm. he took all the hatred, all the ugliness, even death itself, and in that moment, transformed it into eternal life, into the hatred, into love, all these things. So if we live as people of the resurrection, with the reality knowing that, okay, things look pretty messed up right now, but God's got it. He's going to bring even more beauty out of the uh, ugliness. It also is to say, okay, if you put your faith in human institutions, you're in big trouble. If you say, you know, this political solution is going to do it. Well, that's where we get anxiety because imagine if you put your faith into something that's so failed to begin with, but if you put your faith into Jesus Christ, knowing that he has risen from the dead, uh, and this is what I say often to young people is, is to talk about, address directly the anxiety and fear that people are, are dealing with and facing. Um, and, and in the light of the resurrection, to realize that we really have nothing to fear except for um, a lack of love. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why if we bring love into any situation, we dispel fear immediately. Mm. I just love that. And <laughs> I use the word love, but because I agree with you completely that, you know, God, God is love. And that is that ingredient in all of our lives that we need every day, every second. And, and when we recognize that, I think inside of our hearts that, and the interesting thing that you said that that opposite of fear is not courage, it's love. I know that's something I'm going to remember because, uh, as we go through our day, let's face it, I think all of us are fear, are, have times of fear, don't we? Even if it's like where you're driving in the car and, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Right. Oh, by the way, um, I'm pretty sure St. John Paul II said that before me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't want to take too much credit. <laughs> Thanks. To anybody who's listening, they're like, wait a second, Bishop Bird didn't make that up. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Somebody probably will catch it. But um uh, I thought we could just address, if you don't mind as well, um, in something that I'm reading here from you is from your book, I'll read four points, is that things I learned from my dog in honor of his wonderful pooch, Father Bill offers five lessons from his beautiful friend. Another one is ways to be romantic every day. Father Bill encourages us to show our love every day, not just on Valentine's Day, and offers five romantic ways to do that. Another ways to be a genius. We don't have to be a science whiz like Albert Einstein to be a genius. Father Bill offers ways we can be a genius in our own way. Understanding forgiveness. Heaven is no grudge zone. Father Bill presents five ways to understand forgiveness. I don't know if you wanted to touch on any of those topics because they're all really interesting. Well, I, I know when you talk about the uh, five ways to be romantic, I always joke the most romantic thing that a husband can do is empty the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
I'm going to have my husband listen to this one. Yes. Forget the roses. Forget the flowers. Forget the chocolates. Make the bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Or as our Holy Father has said that, what are the, what are the words that most people wish to hear more than anything in a relationship is you would think it would be, I love you, but it's not, it's I'm sorry. Right. They're the words that people wish to hear more than anything. And please and thank you are pretty romantic Mm -hmm. also. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the, Your Excellency, thank you so much for spending uh, some quality time with us here on the Sewing Hope podcast. We hope to have you back. This has been uh, so much fun and you have so much wisdom, uh, many blessings on your ministry and all the great people in the Diocese of Springfield. Thank you all very, very much. And God bless both of you and your families, especially this holiday, this Thanksgiving week. All right. Yes. Thank, thank you, you, Bishop. And would you uh, leave us with a, a closing blessing for all of our listeners? Sure, absolutely. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless all those listening that they may sow hope in everything that they do. May they, uh, where there is no love, bring love. Where there is no hope, bring hope. Where there is no faith, bring faith into a world that is very afraid but needs your love to dispel that fear. And may Almighty God bless you all, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, this has been an episode of the Sewing Hope podcast. And again, for more information, you can always email us at sewinghope at patchworkheart.org. But until next time, from all of us at Patchwork Heart Ministry, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared. Fears faded, and Jesus revealed 
that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278.